screaming divas. divas. And who did we interview just now? Oh my gosh. Super, super good friend of mine. Her name's Michelle Guttrick Kober. Michelle Kober now is a lawyer. I met her as Michelle Guttrick as an opera singer. Mm-hmm. But this amazing female who made a decision to go down a different road, yep. which is our theme for 2021. 2021. Right? Because you know what? We all might be having to kind of maneuver, take a detour, as she said in this interview, while we're waiting for us to get back to what we do. And she took a major detour and stayed on it, becoming from an opera singer to a lawyer. And that's what we talked about. Love her. Yes. And this clip, I think, kind of sums it all up about what she's done with her career, her life, and about 2021. New starts, new beginnings. Great advice. Love her. Love Love women like this. Check it out. And one, one philosophy that I definitely try to live by is turning fear into fuel. So if I'm afraid of it, I need to figure out why, and then I need to jump into that. That's, that's what I need to lean into, the things that I am scared of the most. Yeah. I love Art. that, especially with the conversations I've been having with a lot of my artist friends about wondering mm-hmm. what the future holds, the fear of not knowing if they still should stay on this career path as an artist mm-hmm. or should they jump off and go down, you know, go down the other part of the why in the road. And, um, and I think, I think that's brilliant, Michelle. Like I, we could just cut the interview off right there. And Sandra. Carrie. Oh no. Do I have to pull out the big guns? Okay, no, that one needs to stay away for a little while. <laughs> and please, people, click a dang button. I'm not pulling out the bells. I am not. It's so lame, Carrie. It's so lame. I still have my pretty cell on my desk. Please subscribe. Click the button. Click the button with the bell. Click it. See y'all later, as Carrot would say. Bye. Okay. Okay. I want to start this interview by saying, hey. Hey. <laughs> the cheers. Let me do cheers, my Michelle. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Michelle, Sandra, Sandra, Michelle. Michelle, cheers. you and I have known each other since like what, 2002? Lord, almost 20 years. Is that, that's like the craziest thing to say. Yeah, but you know what I think? I think we look better now than we did then. Let me tell you. <laughs> Some parts of me do, yes. Other parts could be improved. Could be improved. A little lift and a little tucky tucky. <laughs> yes. They, they were a little <laughs> higher 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah well, I, I do <laughs> agree us, with that. Right? Mm-hmm. All of us. Yeah. Michelle and I met when we were, when Domingo started the Young Artist Program at W at Washington National Opera. Mm-hmm. And then in the course of our lives, Michelle went down a different road and I kept on the singing road, but Michelle kind of kept on the singing road in, uh, in another way, which I would love for you, Michelle, to talk about, about, um, why you made the decision to do it. And actually like, what can you talk about your job title and what you are now? Because this yes. is for January and we're about new beginnings and change new beginnings new beginnings i love you texting me earlier that this is going to be called the episode is librettos to law libraries yes (laughs) so i went from reading librettos to law books Mm -hmm. um so i start i started singing when i was a little teeny weeny little girl um started playing piano when i was five so music was not a hobby it was always my thing i loved it it was a talent that everyone recognized in me and Mm -hmm. supported me in uh, pursuing that career so i went and got my bachelor's of music my master's of music and my goal was to be renee fleming slash chichelia bartoli slash joan sutherland slash leontine price like i was just going to be everybody love it um I went and got my master's in music, folk opera performance, and then I went to the Young Artist Program at uh, WNO, which is where I met Carrie. And this was all sort of on the whole track. This is like the traditional 
opera singer track. And so I thought in my youth and with my glazy eyes that I was just gonna waltz out of that young artist program with um, an agent and a binder full of contracts and I was just gonna go be a star. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's <laughs> not quite how the world works. And it was a little tougher than what I thought it was gonna be. And I think that, you know, just looking back on it now, I wish I had more like mentorship and mm -hmm. some singers who were in the business to like help guide me, not just my teacher, Mm -hmm. because I could have managed my expectations a lot better. And um, maybe, who knows, if I had stuck with it for like another three, four, five, 12 years, yeah. that I may be sitting in a different place than I am right now. Not saying that I regret it, yeah. but I think that the guidance and the expectations were not managed properly in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, get, I, I got some work after the Young Artist Program, and then I definitely started to experience some burnout, some frustration, because I had really been gunning for this, at this point, for like maybe 12, 13 years straight, because I started at 15 wow. with the voice lessons and competitions and all that stuff in high school. So by mid-20s, and you know the ups and downs the criticism the this the that learn this piece learn that piece have your hair this way wear this dress for an audition it was just like so much stuff all the time without a break um that i really really got burned out and so i was burned out slash i like to do lots of slashes and and ors um <laughs> burnt wow. out slash tired like really exhausted like from the inside out exhausted so um tired. Yeah. yeah like i was just worn out i didn't like singing at all it felt like a chore mm. it felt like something that was just um i had to do it because i could do it and people expected me to do it and I really, really needed a break. And my, my personality is sort of, um, well, I shouldn't say sort of, it is very standoffish. And, um, <laughs> really? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so I was putting a stake in the ground. I was like, look, I'm not singing. I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do something that was a little bit shocking, a little bit outside of the box. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to do something where I was going to still have a certain level of respect that other people would have for me. Mm -hmm. You all know it. When somebody says, oh, I'm an opera singer, it's like, oh, really? And then they want to talk about it. They want to hear about what you do. So I couldn't, I couldn't go to do something else where I wouldn't get that sort of reaction mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm like... A diva on the inside and a little wow. you know attention seeking so i wanted to do something where i would still get those sorts of oh you're this you're that whatever which is totally the wrong reason to go into a career i would just you know say that now it was just me being selfish and young and, and silly but i'm glad i did it i'm glad i did it uh so i decided that the thing for me to do was to go to law school. Um, it gave me a chance to take a break. It was the exact opposite. I didn't have to sing. Like, I didn't have to even open a hymnal. Like, leave me alone. I don't want to sing a note. I did not sing a note for three years. I didn't sing in the car. I didn't sing in the shower. Wow. I didn't hum. I didn't do anything. And wow. it really gave me a chance to, like, just throw myself into law school, do something completely different. And um, that was the start of what i think my philosophy now is that i at first i had this sort of singular thing i can only be a singer i'm just going to be a singer 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 and then at some point it shifted to i can be both i can do more than one thing so and that's something that it, it's really sort of crystallized even this year with all the craziness that's going on or 2020 we're in 2021 now but I heard a lot of both and, 
you can do both and. It doesn't have to be either or, it can be both and. Even if you're just thinking about like regular everyday decisions, well, should I do this or should I do that? Well, wait a minute, is there a way that I can do both and something else? So I turned it from me being this burnt out, mad, <laughs> bitter, irritable, standoffish, a little bit singer, to me being- yeah, sounds so nice. <laughs> To me, finding, to me finding some somewhere where I could get a happy medium, mm -hmm. I could do something that was so far removed from singing that I didn't feel that pressure, the, the criticism, the um, just all of the things that I had complicated my singing with, mm -hmm. instead of it just being, oh, this is beautiful, I can go out and sing. It was just so complicated. Um, so when I came back to it as a lawyer, it was very simple. And then I started to love it again. Oh. So after law school, uh, I went and did a clerkship for a federal judge, which is also the complete opposite of anything I had ever done in my life. Uh, we weren't, you know, I wasn't writing dissertations. I don't have my DMA. So I didn't have to write a dissertation. I didn't have to defend any of that stuff. I was longest paper I wrote in college was probably like 10 or 15 pages. And now I, I'm off writing judicial opinions. And I, it, but it gave my brain such a break that I think I needed. It was like therapy. Now, some days it was horrible mm -hmm. um, and so hard and so challenging, but in a good way. But then after I was in court with the judge all day and with my co-clerks and with uh, defendants and attorneys and everybody else, I would go to the Washington Opera Studios and we would rehearse Traviata or another opera. So I got to do both at the same time. Um, after I left my clerkship, I went to a law firm, huge law firm, 2,200 attorneys all over the world um, and was there as a litigator. And so that also gave me a chance to use a lot of the skills that I learned as a musician, we have to present ourselves, we have to speak in front of people, we have to talk and defend ourselves and read our audience, all kinds of stuff that we learned in as being a presenter, as an artist, using all of those skills. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I joined Verizon, still as a lawyer, uh, but this time in a completely new, different field, um, doing telecommunications law for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And so wow. here I am, know nothing about this. And I walk in and I'm like, Hey, I can do it. And, um, <laughs> we, we figured it out. Mm -hmm. I did it. And now, uh, just a couple of months ago, I moved into another completely new position, um, purely in public policy. So right now I am director of external affairs and strategic alliances at Verizon. It's a 100% policy job where I am the liaison between civil and human rights groups and Verizon. Um, and we address policy issues that are interesting to them that, that we are also interested in and we find our common ground. And um, we work together on public policy points. Are you enjoying And if the world was open, I would still be singing too. So both and. Right. Well, thank you. Are you enjoying the new position? I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Because um, I still get to use all of the legal skills that I've garnered over the years. Um, I'm still using some of the substantive telecommunications law and policy that I've, I've learned, newly learned at Verizon. But at the same time, now I get to focus on civil and human rights groups and understand what their needs are and their needs have been so critical especially in this last year with covid where we're talking about connectivity we're talking about children who need to be educated with um virtual environments mm -hmm. and it has really brought a lot of these issues to the forefront with people you know we're sitting here on zoom right now we can afford our internet we can afford our devices but there are so many people out here who all they have is a phone and they have a limited number of minutes per month and they need to divide it between the three kids in the house. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really shown me that I think the arc of, of everything that I just described um, has shown me that there are so many things that I learned as well while my singular focus was being a singer 
that I have just used so much in all parts of my life. And now a big part of my job is public speaking um, and recording messages for our external folks. So I need to get glammed up, which we like glam, we like lashes, we like our glitter. Everything. Girl, Everything. Like <laughs> and I record these messages that are, you know, streamed wherever or live which is my favorite ones. Um, so I'm using, I'm, I'm still using, using the skills and using my voice in a different way. So you like challenges? Very much so, yes. <laughs> not, not I, well, yes, a, a, an academic challenge, a career yeah. challenge. I don't want any physical challenges. No, no, but it sounds like you've, your, your whole life, you, you really push yourself Mm -hmm. to to learn more to do more and that is it, it sounds like it's paid off yeah um and i think some of the challenges i i create some of them myself just from like i said i'm i'm very self-aware so you know me being stubborn me being standoffish at times i've said you know well f that Mm -hmm. F you, see what I can do. And, and mm -hmm. so then I've created a challenge that maybe I shouldn't have created. Um, but in terms of career challenges, uh, jumping in feet first, um, learning to, that, that it's all actually going to work out. That's something that I have definitely seen over the years. And one, one philosophy that I definitely try to live by is turning fear into fuel. So if I'm afraid of it, I need to figure out why, and then I need to jump into that. That's, that's what I need to lean into, the things that I am scared of the most. Yeah. I love Art. that, especially with the conversations I've been having with a lot of my artist friends about mm -hmm. wondering what the future holds, the fear of not knowing if they still should stay on this career path as an artist, mm -hmm. or should they jump off and go down, you know, go down the other part of the why in the road. And, um, and I think, I think that's brilliant, Michelle. Like I, we could just cut the interview off right there. Bingo. You know, feel, fuel, say it again. Cause obviously I've lost my brain. Fear, today. It. fear into fuel. And the other one, the other one that I definitely did, I was frustration into motivation. Mm. I was so frustrated, but I was also motivated to change what I was frustrated about. Unfortunately, in these circumstances, we, we don't have control to change what we're frustrated about right now. We're frustrated because, you know, there's no Christmas program. We're frustrated because we're not somewhere singing a Messiah. We're frustrated because we don't get to go see the live music that we love so much. See our family. And, yeah, and our families too. And, and we, so, so we're motivated to try to do what we can, but there's so much that's outside of our control. But the parts that are within our control the frustration of everything that's going on right now should motivate folks to change if they want to. And I think one, one thing in thinking about today, I made a major shift in my career, but I think that I, I don't want to be insensitive to people and myself included, where this isn't just a career. This is who we are. This is living, breathing. This is what we do. This is our identity. This is everything. And I was reading an article about this very insensitive ad where it was, you know, talking about retraining a ballerina into being yeah. Oh, yeah. A, um, a coder. Right. And did you see that? Yes. And yep. then we've talked about it. Yeah. And that's just, you know, she, she didn't put on ballet slippers for the first time at three to now go and sit in front of a computer for the rest of her life. That's not, that shouldn't be a decision that's forced on her. I decided to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if people right now want to take some detours and explore some things that they put off, mm -hmm. then now is a great opportunity to do it. But I think that this is where both and becomes really critical. Yeah. You can do both. You probably can't do both at the same time. So taking this break, taking this hiatus is a time to really dig into that other thing. But once the world opens back up, we can figure out a way to do both things. And that's, that's, I think that's what I figured out how to do when I had to just break up with singing for a little while 
and go do something else. And then I came back and figured out a way to do both in a way that made me happy. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really the, the, the key takeaway message that I, that I hope people take from this is that we're on a forced break right now. Yeah. Explore things, but, but keep the music, keep the singing, keep the artistry, because we all need it. And be kind to yourself. Don't you think that's a big part of it? I think people are being very tough on themselves in that I've done my my whole life. You know, we as singers, ballet dancers, all of that, we train our Mm -hmm. whole lives Mm -hmm. to be these things. And now that we have no outlet. And I think people are beating themselves up when they say that I'm thinking of doing something else. But Mm -hmm. as you say, it's for some people, we can just hit pause. We can mm-hmm. pause until this all opens up again, and it's okay. It's, it's totally okay. You know, totally okay. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I definitely, I, I've, I've talked told Carrie about this, where I still would think that people would look at me because I didn't continue a singing career, thinking that I failed as a singer, and so that's why I became a lawyer. And that it wasn't a choice that I made. It was a choice that was made for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've definitely struggled with that over the years. I've thought, well, maybe if I had given it another couple of years, or maybe if I had gotten a different teacher, but, or, or not even a different teacher, a different network or a different set of people yeah. who heard me, or maybe I should have tried a few more years to get a manager. That's all useless. <laughs> What it's if? not doing anything right now. It, all the what ifs aren't help uh, helpful. And I think that doing something else, again, it is both. You are still a singer who does this also. You are still an artist who also does something else. And so the singing is always going to be a part of me. It's always going to be a part of my life. Um, and, and I don't think that we should look at others as failures if they decide to do something else. It's just, it's just like you said, be kind to yourself. Be kind, yeah. And it's, it's not a failure. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Very for, much so. For anybody who's trained their whole lives to do something, be it artistic or not. And, you know, it's, and especially as women. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you that. As a woman, as a woman, have you faced a lot of hurdles or had to jump over a lot of hurdles in, in law now? Have you, are you mm-hmm. a few as opposed to many in your business? Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, <laughs> I've been in court before and someone asked me if I was the defendant's girlfriend. And... <laughs> on a suit I had my little laptop I had folders I did not look like I was there for anything other than business uh, <laughs> and I definitely am in rooms where I'm the only woman in the room I'm the only black person in the room but I really think that the foundation that we get as artists has been critical in having the confidence to do what I do now. I've had, I've had this a really senior colleague of mine ask me, where do you get this confidence from? And I didn't want to tell her that a lot of times it's fake because you know, we know how to act. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to portray, you know, you can't go in and look like you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it does come from that sort of presence of being out on stage, being out there. So I think that I've been able to um, overcome some of those hurdles, Sandra, by having the confidence. And also, singers, artists, with all the criticism, we have the thickest skin of anybody you'll meet. And people cannot break me down with, you know, some little stupid comment or something that they have in their mind about me that then I, I, I then have to prove wrong. We are confident. We are more prepared than anybody. Yeah. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've brought that with me to overcome some of the challenges that definitely happen being a lawyer, a woman I lawyer. That. I was wondering if, yeah. you, if you face that a lot, because I would think that at your level, there are mm-hmm. many more men than women. And that's yes. 
Yeah. One great thing though, is that the network is so strong. And this is something that I wish we had as artists. I mean, there are, there are national bar associations, there are conferences just for women, there are women's leadership groups, all sorts of things and resources and examples and support that we have as women lawyers that I really think would be so helpful to artists, not just young ones, but at all levels where you have just this network and the support system where you can go and tell, you know, these war stories and things that happened and, you know, I'm looking at a contract. I'm not really sure what to, what to think about it. Or have you sung at X house before and how was it? Or, you know, I'm having this issue with the union. What did you do with that? Just having that sort of sounding board or I'm auditioning here. Do you have any tips? Yeah. The general director is so-and-so that sort of stuff. What should I sing? Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I feel that our business, especially the opera business, I always feel like people want to break each other down. They don't want to lift each other up. Yeah. And that's a part of this business that has to change as well. I mean, there's so many parts of our business that has to change, but mm-hmm. I think especially women, I, I feel like we need to support each other and be there for each other. And, you know, you're right. We need that network, don't we, Carrie? Oh my God. Like, absolutely. That's why I think I've always gravitated towards those singers that are so open that are willing to say, Hey, this is how I did this. This is how I did that. There, there is a, a silent network that is going on where you feel those that you can trust, you can talk to about X, Y, Z, um, even about contracts and money and, and which has always mm-hmm. been a taboo subject, but just saying, Hey, you know, I don't want to get screwed over here. I, you know, I'm getting paid X, Y, Z. What do you think about that? Or can I bounce mm-hmm. this idea off of you? And I know that that information is going to stay in the vault, even when it comes to health issues, because as females, we deal with all kinds of crap. I mean, there's, you know, there's breast cancer, there's menopause, there's menopause. whatever, all these things that can affect our cords, but we have nowhere to go in a safe zone to say, Hey, did you take this medication? What did this do to you? Or, Hey, mm-hmm. how are you dealing with menopause? Are you on hormones? Which ones? Yeah. Which ones did it affect your voice? voice? Right. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. it. But I feel like maybe, you know, we were just, um, uh, in conversations that we've had with other people. I feel like this pandemic has also opened the doors for those kinds of conversations, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. for the generations behind us. Not, I mean, I think where we are now, and then with all the young artists that are coming up, I think there's a platform for this kind of discussion, which leads me to ask you about, and I know that there's some new information coming out, hopefully we can air this, about being on the board, because mm-hmm. there's lots of discussions about the changes that need to happen in the opera houses, but I personally feel like it starts with the board. It starts with administration and the board. So you are on, I don't want to make sure I say this right, the Coalition for African Americans in the Performing Arts. You're on the board of yes. that, is that correct? Yes. And Congratulations. Then, yes, that's amazing. And then you're also on the board of a new one. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, super excited. Washington Performing Arts, which used to be Washington Performing Arts Society. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a wide variety of um, musical offerings for all sorts of genres and also dance and everything else. And um, there are a couple of artists on the board, but I don't think they were as active performers as I am, and also actively performing as recently as March when everything was shut down. Right. Um, hey, we were on the same sta- stage together. We were on the same oh, stage wow. together. Oh, <laughs> you're a good time. You did together. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, I don't think this is all gonna shut down. And <laughs> we left and never came back. We left and never came. March, whatever, 11th it was. And we all yeah. thought, oh, I'll see you on Saturday. We're going to do this show. It's fine. Like, we're okay. I know. And then, and then you were trying to find plane tickets home. I was. I was like, yeah. well, you know, when I walked into, before the opera house even called it, and I walked into Trader Joe's, and half the shelves are empty, and the line is snaked through the store throughout the Oh, store. that's right. I remember calling my husband and being like, I, I don't care if they, I want out of here. I need I to come get home. out of here. So <laughs> it looked like the apocalypse. It did. Carrie was texting me too. And I'm like, get I'm out like, of 
you know, yeah. all those genes that I have in, in running through my body of like a long line of survivalists that I come from, like, which I had fought my entire life. All of a sudden I was calling Chris and I'm like, you need to go stock up on meat and toilet paper and, and carbohydrates and anything can. So it's your fault that we couldn't get toilet paper, Carrie. Yeah. It is. I wanted she has all, all the Clorox wipes. <laughs> I did. So it was hard not to freak the F out. So anyway, um, but then the, and it, within an hour, the opera house called and said, we're done. So anyway, but, but the five shows we got to do, you and I had quite a good time, I think. Oh my goodness. Again, Rehearsals were so much fun. <laughs> and that was Don Giovanni, right? Yes. Oh, so, so now you're on the boards. Yes. Boards. And you are making your voice heard. Yeah, so I will be. So it'll, it just started for Washington Performing Arts. Um, and I think that my major concern is just how artists are even able to survive right now. Um, and I think that support for just basic living is something that has to stay top of mind. Um, you know, we, we are not cartoon cutouts. We aren't a, a wind up toy. We, we have lives, we need support um, and livelihoods, children, families, everything else. And so I want to, to stay plugged in to how to support artists economically and financially going forward, um, hopefully when, when the world opens up. One other big concern is the pipeline right now. We have a whole year of students who didn't get to do their recitals, who didn't get to have the import person voice lessons. They didn't get to have performance opportunities. They didn't get to do so many things that are just critical to just repetitively do all the time right. as artists. You know, we, we used to have noon, um, noon recital every Tuesday at University of Maryland. I, we, we probably all had these sorts of programs where, you know, every month you had to get up and do noon <laughs> recital. Yeah. And it was a big thing where you yeah. had to get all your stuff together. And it, it was a, it was a big to do. And yeah. those were really formative experiences that people are not getting right now. So that's a focus that I think it will be something else that we're looking at next year is how do you make up for this time if you can make up for the time? And one other topic that's come up too is with all of these virtual opportunities that have come about or you know the socially distanced performances that we've seen, these have been established artists, but they're not really the, the first time opportunities for that you know college student or that emerging young artist who needs that first look in, into the big, on the big stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and so how can we shift a little bit, spread, spread the pie a little bit more and get opportunities for new young artists out here who just don't have, you know, I know to call Carrie, I know to call you Sandra, but I don't know to call, you know, Tracy who's sitting in her basement and has been studying her arias for the last nine months. Right. And those, those people, we, we want to try to make sure that they don't get lost in all of this. That their voice keeps getting heard. Right. And also right. what about mental health and what about that, that aspect of it? Are they helping with that, with artists? I'm not sure, but that's an excellent point. And I think that's something that, that I will definitely put on my list and raise. Um, and that's why these conversations are so important too, talking to artists directly that, you know, we, we're not a computer. Uh, we have feelings and your artist may walk into the room and may have just had you know something happen or may just be down for the last eight or nine months and need more support than just okay here's your check and <laughs> the yeah. checks are nice but we need more so that's that's awesome and i think that that's i would like to as someone who is an artist myself and plugged in with other artists make sure that i hear our voices and bring our perspective to business decisions to um, performance decisions and um, just all of the, the, the corporate sort of, you know, um, governance decision-making that happens without really thinking about the humans who are making all of this happen. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. The mental health aspect of it, I think is, is really, I mean, these kids, as you said, a year of their lives, they don't have contact with other singers. I mean, you learn mm -hmm. from listening to other singers. You learn mm -hmm. from 
around other singers, other musicians. You, you, the musicians are like sponges and we're being yeah. robbed of all of that right now. Yeah. And you can do so much online, but it's so isolated as well. And that isolation, I think, is really ripping apart a lot of artists. I mean, ballet dancers. Yeah, it's not the same at all. It's, it's not the same at all. And we, we <laughs> carry, just like in the show, we're running around on stage dancing. It's different every night. We're like, you know, cracking up laughing those are some of the best laughs i have ever had have been on stage y'all know what i'm talking about <laughs> oh yeah shenanigans and it's yeah it's shenanigans pure shenanigans and so not only are you having you know you're experiencing this wonderful music you're you're making art the audience is there they're enjoying the show and then you just have all of this like inspiration and energy from your colleagues yeah and it's it's not there right now but I'm, I'm getting some great energy from y'all right now, I have to say. Thank you. I, I love what you said, though, that there is actually somebody like you with your voice, with your experiences on a board, and it's not just mm -hmm. people that are wonderfully generous with their money, but there's somebody actually on there that mm -hmm. understands what needs to be done and what's being talked about. And what the lifestyle is like, what we actually do go through. But no, I love that your voice is on is on both of those boards. That's amazing. Yeah, and one one thing that was funny, I heard a story about. There's another board, a local local board, but for a big company in D.C. that has a woman who's also a singer. She's a businesswoman, also. She's on the board, and they were having a conversation just about, you know, well, this is what we're gonna do, blah blah blah. And she reminded the other people on the board that, you know, these singers may need a stipend for X, Y, and Z because they may not have the money just sitting in the bank for whatever. Mm. Or she, she told them that they needed a space to warm up because that wasn't just, you know, they're not just going to hop out of their Uber and just yeah. <laughs> start singing. Um, and and you know when you're talking when you're putting events together when you're talking about funding when you're when you are having these conversations with that missing perspective it, it just leaves a lot out of the conversation and it leaves out the needs of the most important part of the production which is the artists without which, us there's no show which you know? i feel like companies are just for forgetting Yes, I know that you need to have money and your boards and your patrons and all that need to be happy to, to make something happen during this time period. But, but we also need to feel respected and taken safe. care of and safe. And if we don't feel those things, you're not getting me. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just don't, I mean, I, I just, I'm sorry, but I, what I do is so important and I love it so much. And I feel like that what makes an opera company an opera company are the musicians and the artists and if you don't have those mm -hmm. you can't have anybody nobody has a job well we so, have value yeah i think people have to remember the value that we have that we don't the, the value the value is huge and i think that that is something else that that i like to always stress that we have degrees we have been studying since we were children in many cases and that this is not a hobby which it's it's not something that we just, you know, jumped up and said one day, let me go and learn this Verity role. Right. That's not the way that this works. No. Um, and so I think that it just making sure that the res the respect is is baked in to any thought or any conversation about an artist of this sort of caliber. Um, it, it just has to be a part of the conversation. We we are on the level of neurosurgeons, Supreme Court justices, the, when you're talking about training and experience and expertise, this is the top of the profession, the top of, it would be the top tier of any profession and we should be treated that way. I have to say like, I, I don't know if you've been watching The Voice and following John Holiday and on what he's doing. Have you been following that, Michelle? I refuse to watch any of those shows. <laughs> okay, you need to watch it just for John Holiday though. He- Okay. Is, so he's- <laughs> Yeah, he's not giving a gift. This this boy is super super talented. Counter okay, I'll watch it. 
all right, countertenor and, you know, having his Met debut. I mean, like the whole thing, like he's, he is. I didn't know they had opera singers on there. I thought oh. it was just like little, like seven-year-olds singing O Mio Babino Caro. Oh, no, 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 no. This, this boy could do, <laughs> he could do everything. He's a, he's a countertenor. He sang last night Beyonce's <laughs> Halo. Better than Beyonce did. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Michelle is like slightly horrified. Um, okay. So, but the thing- I'll was, check it out. When I was watching this and I was watching, you know, he's in this room and one of the artists is talking, I can't remember who it was, was talking with John Holiday, and they were telling him, you know, well, you should really like sing it like this because this really is, you have to reach the audience. And I was like, it was I was like, do you even know who you're talking to? Do you know who John Holiday is? Do you know the training mm -hmm. that he's been through? And that he knows exactly, trust me, dude, how to express himself to an audience without a microphone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, he's a professor himself. He is, yes, he's a voice professor. Like, it just made me bust out laughing how stupid people are. It just, there was something about what I watched that made, made I, I started yelling because I was like this asshole who thinks that he's some kind of like awesome dude because he's some pop star and you're trying to tell this classically trained musician what to do. It made me think like you didn't do your homework before you came into this room to work with this artist. You, and I mean, he's a you professor and mm -hmm. he has like degrees and you're telling this guy who teaches voice how to sing and put more something into it. And you just go. And then Let's see what, how that goes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm realizing, like, I, didn't, I don't really understand the voice and how it all works, like, and how you win. And then I realize, oh, my God, as I'm reading the headlines today in the news, you, in the news, um, that you have to, like, like him on his YouTube video. And that's how they decide who wins is who gets the most YouTube videos, not who's the best musician. It's a fucking popularity contest. And I was right. like. Um, and I can't vote because I'm. Oh, you can't. So, so, but that's, that's, it's funny that you talk about that because I, I know we've all experienced this and this was really a big source of my burnout was the criticism that everyone having an opinion and from the little old lady sitting in the front row to a well-respected voice teacher in New York City, to the coach, to the stage director, every single person had something to say about your voice and seven out of 10 of the opinions conflicted with the other ones. <laughs> so you're standing there like, huh? What, what am I supposed to do now? Like pat my, am I supposed to pat my head and rub my tummy or do something? Yeah. I mean, and then, but then, then it gets the personal side and that's when you have to walk away. That's when you have to step back when they say, Oh, Sandra, I don't like you as a blonde. Or, oh, Sandra, you need to lose weight. Or, mm -hmm. oh, or, oh, we can't hire you in that role because you're black. I mean, like, yeah. oh, yeah, totally. And totally. that's when people, I don't think the public realizes that what we do as artists and what you do as well, Michelle and Ma, it's open to criticism and that people mm -hmm. feel that they need to tell us mm -hmm. that, oh, I'm sorry, Sandra, are you six months pregnant? You know, I mean, how many times have you heard that one? You know, like, and, and they feel that it's okay to ask us these things or tell us these things or post yeah. it on the internet and that they think that it's not going to hurt something deep inside of us. and Really deep inside. Yeah. And that's, so it's, people really, when I tell them that I went from, um, being a musician to being a lawyer, because really being a lawyer was a lot easier. And they think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's because of the things that, that you just described. It, in, in law, there, there are a lot of times there are answers. And if there is criticism that someone you know, brings to me, I can then respond. It, there's sort of a professional give and take that's always there. And I am respected as another attorney to engage in that professional give and take. And we can go back, we can look at, you know, the actual law, we can go to some sources, we can go to books, we can figure things out. When you're talking about my hair color, I, what, what, what I'm saying? 
Yeah. I have no, I have no response. Yeah. If you are saying, asking me about my weight, or if you're talking about that the pianissimo needed to be a pianissimo, and I, like, what, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> so, and it breaks I down your psyche, and right? It, it breaks you down. Breaks and then, and down. then also going back to the other thing we were talking about where you're not respected as a, as a very intelligent, hard, hardworking, very well read and studied musician. You're not looked at like the first chair violinist. You're just a singer that's coming out here to, 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 you know, scream. And they're not thinking about you as a hardcore musician. Right. And look, I, I didn't even know I was tying that in there. You're the one Good that's job. the screaming diva. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> You're the screaming diva. And first chair violinist, both of you may have doctorates, but you're not being treated the same way. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have that professional give and take. How many times have we seen the first chair violinist argue with the maestro and it was respected? How many times is the first soprano, the, the leading soprano arguing with the maestro and she's not just being a bitch? Yeah, or fired. You know? Or fired, right. Or, and that's or, where that that network, or blackballed, blackballed, never hired again. Right. And that's where we need that network. We, that, right. that we so brilliantly talked about. We need that network of people to, to lift each other up and to support mm -hmm. each other. When somebody says to you, you know, Sandra, are you six months pregnant? To say, no, I, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going <laughs> to allow that to break me. Because yeah. in, in, when I was a young artist, so many of the people, they couldn't deal with it. It was too much for them. And that's why they quit this business, not because mm -hmm. they didn't want to sing. It was because they were just broken down. It's all the other stuff. It's all yeah. the stuff that has nothing to do with singing. Um, you know, it's the nutritionist. It's the yoga classes. It's the working out. It's the, um, this is the dress you should wear, not that dress. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I understand that, you know, there's all this image and, um, pageantry that has to go along with it mm -hmm. but it all has to be within a, a respectful and uplifting environment not oh we're going to tear you down so we can build you back up mm -hmm. because you can tear people down and you just tear them down you've never done anything to build them back up you've just torn them down they're there in a crumbled mess on the floor. They have no repertoire. They have no network. They don't know what they're doing next. Mm -hmm. And then you just kick them out into the world and say, uh, have at it. Do and you're broken. Job. And then our voice is, is so driven by emotions. So if mm -hmm. we're broken, this, these two little things here in our, our body, it, they don't work. Right. So you know what? That is another aspect of our business that has to change. Yeah. Let's I think the respect for singers is something that's really important. And I, I, Carrie, that example you gave is just one where somebody is just not respecting the person as an artist. And you may be a young artist, you may be an emerging artist, but you are an artist and you're an artist that deserves respect. Mm -hmm. And you need to be treated that way because it is such an emotional hardship if you're not, because it's constant. We were performing every single day. And practicing every single day, and then you have people coming to you with like sixteen pages of notes, yep. and you're like, "Just leave me alone." Can I just sing today? Yeah, I, I really <laughs> loved. I loved the time when I got enough old enough in my career where you know, because we always get notes, no matter what, how old we are, whatever, how many years we've been doing it, we always get notes, which I do appreciate because I can't see what I'm doing. It's not like there's big mirrors in front of me, or I can't necessarily hear everything that I'm doing and sometimes bad habits get in. So I always appreciate the notes, but it all, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could read the note and it didn't affect me in a way that made me feel less than. So yes. Because we got so many notes growing up, especially in the young artist program that were so ridiculous and trivial and demeaning that it took me a long time to realize, Oh, wait a minute. Like, I've arrived at a point where I can be like, you know what? That's a great note. That's a total piece of shit. And so, <laughs> but I think all young art, I think all artists, especially young artists need to learn that lesson. Do not mm -hmm. take it personally. Uh, you know, my husband, it took me until I got married when I was 32 for my husband to teach me that you need to be a duck. You know, mm -hmm. runs off the back of the duck. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. All young artists need to learn this very early on because yeah. do not take anything. When people say, 
for instance, I keep going back to this, Sandra, you six months pregnant. That's their <laughs> issue that they're projecting on you. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And all those, all those notes that people gave you that were BS, it's them projecting mm-hmm. on you. It's their issues. I loved, I love when somebody said that in the business, certain people have to justify their jobs. And that mm-hmm. what was coming at me, mm-hmm. whatever it was, notes or whatever it was, wasn't necessarily my issue. It was like what you're saying, Sandra, that they were trying to justify the existence of being in the room. Right. And so I thought, oh, okay. And um, so that lent me to finding those people that I trusted that would tell me the truth, um, give me their opinions in a way that uh, was constructive and not demeaning or tearing down like what we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love the fact that you and like this other person you were talking about are on a board that understand these things because Mm -hmm. if those singers go do those events and they're not taken care of in a way of there's a rehearsal room or there whatever then i mean we all talk and we don't want to ever go back either oh yeah we want to sing for your organization or we don't want to do those things so um i just i love i hope that that those more artists are on more boards more artists um of all diversity so that the board doesn't look like one big white snowball so, I mean, you know, I mean, I really hope, that. I mean, I just, I want it because I want to see the results of that on stage. Cause I still love going to the theater and watching live stuff. And I want to see what's representative of our world, not just what's representative of what was. Does that make sense? Yeah. But what it can but, be and what, what it has be. to be. Yeah. What it should be. And, and one other thing that you all bring up too, that I think I, I have had so much emphasis as a lawyer And as a woman lawyer, on combating some of these things that you all talked about that you see all the time as artists, where you have these toxic work environments, Mm -hmm. where people are allowed to say whatever they want to say. And not only that, but there isn't sort of a professional development plan. There isn't a career strategy. There isn't a, these are benchmarks and places where you should be trying to grow and and progress your career. Mm -hmm. I got pounded over the head with all that stuff as a lawyer from the time that I left the law school campus. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I really noticed now is sort of a glaring difference in the way that singers are groomed and and brought up. And I think it's even more critically important because of the mental aspect, Mm -hmm. because of the constant criticism, because your voice is different every morning when you wake up and you may sing that aria beautifully today and like absolute trash tomorrow <laughs> and it's like it's happened to all of us right where we look great but we sound like garbage and it, it sounded great last week but this week it just ain't working i'm sorry but um, the same as a football player i mean every week yep. you, know, you could have an amazing game one weekend and the next yeah. weekend it is like a hot dang mess every people. athlete yep. every yep. athlete but, but they get so much to- more grace they get so much more grace oh my gosh unbelievable <laughs> okay can we totally like pivot for one second? Because I think this is really important for mental health and you are a huge um, Peloton junkie. I am. Because I exercise am. isn't necessarily about the way we look, but about how we feel about ourselves and mental mm-hmm. health right now, especially in the midst of COVID when, um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot more drinking and a lot more eating carbohydrates going on in this house than normal. <laughs> so um, I have learned that my Peloton um, or exercising, or even just going for a walk outside has mm-hmm. really just, you know, helped my mental health. You mm-hmm. are working at home, you're raising two kiddos, um, homeschooling, all that kind of stuff has, um, do you want to shout out exercise and what you do? Because you are actually really amazing with all your Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, I am completely and hopelessly addicted and obsessed with Peloton. Um, I got my bike in 2016. I got the treadmill in 2019. It's currently in storage. I am heartbroken that I don't have my treadmill. Um, but it's, it's working out became sort of a daily or almost daily part of my life after I had my daughter because I knew um, she's eight now. So it's been about seven years consistently where I knew I had to um, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted her to follow my example. Okay. Um, so I knew that I had to develop healthy habits, healthy lifestyle in order for her 
to 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 come into the fold and have that as her upbringing um and so peloton really became a major part of that and then over the course of the pandemic it's just like hey carrie let's join maddie majacomo's core core challenge <laughs> i cussed you out in all of that i just the whole time yes, but it's also it's been a great community during the pandemic too because you know there's so much going on with the challenges and the facebook groups and all that other stuff but it's just a lot of fun yeah it is. um and i think that one thing that i remember the the director of our opera program at university of maryland his name was leon major and he would always say do not take yourselves too seriously and this is like my way of running around and playing because everything else is so serious everything in the world is so serious right. and we just need to take 15 20 for me it's usually like 90 or 120 minutes a day where we just get to run around and play we just get to do something else yeah. um because it's so easy to so quickly get bogged down in everything that's going on and you can't you you're not going to solve the world's problems I, i'm not going to solve all of the world's problems i might be able to solve half of a problem in my household i'm not gonna solve the world's problems so i just have to accept that i can do what i can in community service pro bono work whatever um but i just can't have the weight of all of this on my shoulders and so my daily running around and playing on my peloton it, it just keeps me from um going crazy and i think we, we we need to find our little run around and play everybody whatever you need to do to run around and play every day just do that and laugh and laugh please laugh find some crazy opera singers and some screaming divas to laugh with we will always make you laugh oh, hello. <laughs> oh, well, talking about laughter are we ready for rapid fire do 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 i need my drink for that yeah, uh-huh, get your water. Maybe splash a little something, something in there. Wait, uh-huh, there's a pound. Mm -hmm. No, that's coming after this, uh-huh. Yeah, amen, sister. I'm Look at you. Yeah. You're fierce. You are looking fierce today, I gotta say. I wanted to yeah. do a little, you know, uh, this made leather. me think of Grace Jones, my little faux leather. Faux leather is very in this season. Although we aren't going anywhere, faux leather is all the rage. Um, mm. But I do, even though your foot is bigger than mine, I saw all those shoes you bought that you posted online and the minute that your new house is built fyi people that's why the treadmill is in storage um i will be there and in your closet trying on your big girl shoes thank you very much <laughs> i miss my shoes so much oh. yeah i mean but i love that you're still buying them because of your lawyer but i shouldn't have it was so ridiculous so in order to make up for buying all the shoes i then went to um some home websites and bought like some home stuff because i'm only supposed to be buying home stuff right now <laughs> that's not fun that's why uh, I fun. And no. you know what? We gotta we gotta have something to to look forward to. Thank and you. yes. I my feet are gonna be screaming at me the day that I put those heels back on, but I don't care. They are I know. When's the last time we wore heels? Well, okay, you know what is painful to me is I bought all these brand new gorgeous shoes in DC when I was working. Oh and worn yet because where I mean, am I gonna wear them in the woods? I don't think so. And have and have a little Humphrey slobber all over them. Um, no birds all over it. No. Is he gonna eat them? No. Okay, you better train your dog. I, I don't think so. My slobber monster, but I'm in love. I'm yeah, I'm in love. Okay. He might slobber on him, but he's not gonna eat him. All right, rapid okay. fire. Rapid fire. Okay, okay. I, I feel the pressure. Are you ready? yes mm -hmm. have you learned what have you learned that's new about that hot firefighter husband of yours during COVID? <sighs> that's complicated how is that rapid fire <laughs> yeah I, oh I, I, what have i learned about him mm -hmm. that's new um, you don't think you would have learned if, if we hadn't been through COVID and lockdown this is so like mundane and ridiculous he thinks i'm obsessed with washing clothes and what i have learned is that he doesn't realize how much laundry a family produces so he wasn't even paying attention because we're, we're in an apartment right now so the washing machine is right here so i'm like washing clothes all the time mm -hmm. and he's like why are you washing clothes all the time? i always wash all these clothes you were just downstairs not paying attention 
But I guess this, the, the answer to this question should really be something like a lot more romantic, right? So I have learned that he is just like such a handsome, dashing prince. And that I love seeing him every single day. And he just my savior and I love him. Um, and we're he the leading not out. <laughs> he, he needs to watch this. <laughs> okay, biggest celebrity crush? Man or woman? Either both um man i would say idris alba circa 2001 because <laughs> right now he looking a little old and you are harsh, uh, harsh but on yeah. um woman absolutely michelle obama i love her so much right i, I love her, her so I much told her, to her face that she was a hot mama <laughs> She's just so amazing. And I love the fact that now that she's left the White House, we've gotten to know her in a different way and she yeah. can be herself. Right. And the, like the Becoming book and the tour and the yeah. Netflix, she is, she's totally my girl crush. Yeah, I love that. I want her to be the next president. I wanted that too. But at the same time, it's like, do you really want her to like go through all that crap? Yeah. Yeah, because we need it. Yep. <laughs> I think Suck it's it up, Michelle. Just Suck do it. it for us. Suck it up, Michelle. Okay. I'll do it for the Screaming Divas. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. There's a lot of those, though. Um, and I wrote some of them down. Ooh. Fail forward. Ah. So the failure, the failure is the fuel. Failure is yep. the failure and the fear is the fuel. So you're you're moving forward. Frustration into motivation. Love it. Yeah. You should be the motivational speaker. Oh no. You're I know. Really good at that. I will motivate y'all to death. Um, you know what? Um, <laughs> maybe we need a little bit of that right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I just I just think that it is. I, I I overthink. I get really bogged down. I get way, way in my head, way in my thoughts. I'm a Virgo. I, I write a list of 25 things. And if I haven't checked off all 25, then I'm just like beating myself up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like hyperventilating about all the things like waking up in the, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, oh my God, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Or how am I going to get this done this week? And you just got to take a deep breath and sit down and just do it. And then one huge lesson that I learned as a mom is if it doesn't get done, uh, so what? The, the kid's still alive. I'm still alive. Okay. Wake Lights up again tomorrow. Right? Yeah. You still, yeah. Just, still, we, we can't take everything so seriously. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Favorite cuss word ever in any language? Well, then you, you complicated when you said in any language, Carrie. Um, but I think, you know, dropping a good F-bomb is like, you know. Thank you. It's, it's a solid choice most of the time. Solid. Always. Always. And, and for a good reason most of the time, too. So. Or just for no reason. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know what? It's just nice to just yell out one every once in a while and be like, anybody hear me? <laughs> okay, the best is hearing your mom swear. Oh yeah. My, my I've only heard my mother say the F bomb one time. I'm sure she I want to get her on the phone because I'm sure I she know she doesn't me. say that word. It, she doesn't say it. And it was one time she was like really not feeling well. Me and my brother, we were like eight and twelve. We were like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she, we were getting out of the car. We had been going at it for hours. And she got out of the car and she was like, if y'all don't shut the up. <laughs> and you're like, we didn't we probably didn't make a peep for a week we were like oh my god it worked you said that word it was crazy i've never heard her say it since all right <laughs> wardrobe malfunction either as a singer or as a lawyer have you had a really good one? Oh yeah for sure i have had buttons pop at a trajectory that would put somebody's eye out absolutely um all right last question okay if heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? Uh, you made the right decision. Ooh. What, to this believe in good. God or, or just anything? 
all of them. Bingo. <laughs> Those shoes were the right decision. That lipstick was the right decision. That hair, that career was the right Even decision. Those potato skins, right? Yes, the potato skins. Everything I said in this interview, girl, everything you did was right. <laughs> what a great way to end it. Yes. I love you. Like, Thank right. you so much for your time today. Love you, so ladies. Great. Love you, too. Y'all are so sweet. And oh, you're let, awesome. Let us just say that 2021, it has to be better. So here's to new beginnings. And yes, new starts. Let's new go. starts, frustration, motivation, fear into fuel for 2020. Yeah. 2021. Oops. We're not redoing 2020. Okay. No, 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 no. 2020 is like back there. We're bye-bye. See you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. Thank Peace you. out. <laughs> 21, right? <laughs> All right. Good to see Bye. you. Bye. Love you later. Love you too. Thanks, Michelle, for doing this. Bye. 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 My problem is that, like, I took off the COVID weight, which I'm Carrie, what is that in your hand? Oh, it's her clicker. I, oh, I thought that was an old school cell phone. I was like, what is this? Throwback Divas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a clicker. Okay. Yeah.